as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, also a Big Shiny Robot. Uh, we got three movies for you this week. We've got uh, Live by Night, Silence, and Patriot's Day. And I think I'm really excited for Patriot's Day because it's one of the rare films where Andy and I will get to argue because yes. we always seem to both either love or hate movies the exact same. So, um, God, what was the last movie we argued over? Was it Minions? No, I think it was The Gallows. We it might have been The Gallows, yeah, the Gallows. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so that'll be kind of fun. Uh, first, uh, Andy, tell us about Live by Night. Live by Night is from the director of Argo and the writer of Goodwill Hunting, uh, according to the marketing materials, but by which, of course, we mean Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck? You mean Batfleck? Batfleck. Poor guy gets no respect. It's like all of the marketing for this is like trying to make it sound like, oh, here's this guy who's won all these awards for writing and directing. And but they don't want you to remember that it's Ben Affleck, which I don't understand. Well, at least it's not uh, as it's not like it was with uh, the movie After Earth, where no one even knew, and that Shyamalan directed it until after the movie was over. <laughs> <laughs> but that's trying to cover up the fact that that it's a well-known, not very good director. Ben Affleck is actually a very good director, and in yes. fact, th- this movie really puts together a lot of. What what Ben Affleck is good at, if if you've seen his his previous directorial work in the town, uh, you know the guy knows how to put together a good crime movie. Here is another one, also based on a novel by Dennis Lehane, who also wrote the novel that Gone Baby Gone was based off of. Mm-hmm. So there's an, another bit of track record here for for Affleck. Uh, this is the story of Joe Coughlin, who was a World War One vet, came home from war, was caught between the Irish and the Italian mob in Boston, really decided he didn't want part of either one of them, was kind of standing on his own as, as an outlaw rather than a gangster. But through a series of uh, misadventures, finds himself on the run and down in Tampa and becomes the kingpin of the Florida rum running scene. So a really great uh, gangster Prohibition era movie. Very violent, uh, very taut, very interesting. Um, And unlike a lot of your gangster movies, Joe Coughlin is is a different sort of fella. Rather than you sitting there watching Michael Corleone and The Godfather... And being like, oh, well, what length won't this guy go to to protect his family? Uh, this guy has a different sort of moral code. And there are very real lines that he will never cross. And he has a different kind of loyalty than your typical mafioso type guys. And so it makes it a very interesting, very different kind of movie. Even though Ben Affleck has very, very clearly soaked in everything there is to know from watching all of the movies by Scorsese and Coppola. And he's clearly seen the Godfather part two 
a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, <laughs> this is this is very good. It feels very different, uh, especially ba- based on the fact that it's set in Central Florida, and the characters in conflict are very different. Uh, one of the major conflicts he runs up against. He's going up against the KKK. One of their problems with him, they don't like very much that he is shacking up with Afro-Cuban uh, Zoe Saldana, who uh, is is part of the Cuban end of the uh, of the rum running process. So uh, this this film really takes on racism in a way that you know you don't expect. A movie like this too and it really confronts it and one of the things that I found most refreshing about it was there was this great political undertone with it but it never got really heavy-handed and even if you know Ben Affleck's politics he's not overplaying any of this here and uh, he's he's doing a really great job with um, delivering this in a way that we can all agree, yes, racism is bad. And uh, e- e- no matter even if you are maybe a little racist yourself. So uh, I, I really like this. The All of the um, supporting actors are what really, really make this movie. Brendan Gleeson is uh, Ben Affleck's Boston superintendent of police father, who obviously disapproves of his life. Uh, maybe and, a little bit, yeah. Maybe a little bit. And Chris Cooper plays kind of a secondary father figure who is the local sheriff in Tampa who is basically telling him, like, okay, you keep your business between this street and this street, and we won't have any problems. And uh, and there's an interesting relationship with them and also with uh, Chris Cooper's other daughter. Um, the The two of them are really what what makes this movie work. And ironically, well, no, not ironically, because this is a problem with most movies where you end up with one person writing, directing, and acting. Um, One of those things kind of gets lost. And Affleck himself is, he's good in this main role, but he's not great. He's not amazing. And uh, he obviously does a better job directing other people than directing himself. Mm-hmm. And so the main character, Joe Coughlin, is possibly the least interesting character of everyone else here. But Saldana, Gleason, and Cooper are the real reason to go see this movie and some really cool action sequences. The other problem with this, when you have one person holding the reins on everything... I don't think there was anyone telling Ben Affleck no at any point. <laughs> and everybody needs one of those people. While he does a really great job, I feel like he had a very strong movie that ended up developing three good themes, none of which ever ended up really overtaking everything else. Mm-hmm. And this film really deserved, rather than having three kind of underdeveloped themes have one central message very strongly that that we can all understand and uh so it it fails a little bit on that but despite all of that 
it's well put together. It's fun to watch. Good gangster movie if if that's what you're into. I really like this. I gave it an eight out of ten. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a. Uh, I've had a couple friends who didn't like it as much as you, but I was really interested to hear your take because, uh, unlike the movie we're going to talk about in a minute, we we generally have the same thoughts. And this was one that I was really upset I had to miss. Just unfortunately, you know, work works calls and you got to do your job. But yeah, um, yeah, it did. The whole part of being a director and also an actor in your same film, it's it's a very, very difficult role. Um, so I can see how that, you know, with... Because Ben Affleck's what, done... He's directed at what, now three movies? Is this, or is this his second one? Uh, well, he, he's done he Gone town, Baby right? Gone, The Town, Argo, and Live By Night. Are, okay, is there, so are there any others that, that I'm missing? I think that's uh, I think it, yeah. That's I know it. he's... Well, unless he has the new, the new Batman movie. Um... You know what? I hope he does the new Batman movie. I want him to, too, yeah. This this shows that he can do, like, crime, procedural, uh, and and that part of it, along with action, very, very well. And I, I think what he needs is he needs someone else besides him. Bring in, um, why am I forgetting his name? The Snyder who's been writing Batman, who's not Zack Snyder. Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder. Yeah, bring in bring in your Scott Snyder to help him co-write it, and uh, like that, I think would do very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but have someone else, like the same way Marvel has set up their their brain trust to help guide the cinematic universe. If Jeff Johns is putting together something like that for Batman. And they are working with Ben Affleck to develop it. I think it would do very well. This shows me he can do crime movies. And uh, and one of the most interesting things is he he takes car chases with like Model Ts and mm-hmm. makes them really cool. He makes gunfights with pump action shotguns and, and single shot revolvers really, really gripping. And And if he can do that... Imagine what he can do with uh, all the cool tech that that Batman has. Nice. So something to look forward to as far as for you know the upcoming Batman movies and uh, Live My Night. Something we can, if you like a good gangster film, go check it out. So now I'll do something that we're gonna have some fun with. Uh, so Patriots Day. Patriots Day is the movie based on the Boston Marathon bombing. Uh, kind of the events leading up to. The moment of, and then the next week after, with the massive manhunt for the Saranov brothers. Uh, it's directed by Peter Berg, who just recently teamed with Marky Mark uh, to do Deepwater Horizon. Uh, he's kind of started this thing of recreating stories of uh, disasters that have taken place and kind of telling them on the big screen. And uh, we'll get to that in a minute as far as whether or not that's appropriate and whether or not something like this, which only happened a few years ago, might be a little bit too soon. Anyway, so Mark Wahlberg stars here as the Boston Police uh, Sergeant Tommy Saunders. So the thing with this is that he, while there are people in this movie based off real-life characters, uh, real-life people who were involved in this tragedy, uh, Mark Wahlberg's character is kind of an amalgam of just everyone on the police force. He's jumping us from scene to scene, kind of keeping the plot going, uh, but at the same time isn't any one actual police uh, man or woman. So he's kind of representing everyone. It kind of makes it a bit unrealistic when he's the hero in every single scene. You know, at the end of the, the finish line, when the bomb goes off, he's there. He's helping people. When they find the Sarnoff brother in the boat, he's the one who finds them. And it, that part I've got some problems with, but we'll come back to that. 
But yeah, the, the movie essentially starts just a few hours before the bombing. It shows everyone kind of going about their day. Uh, everyone from the police sergeant to the brothers planning the attack to just random people who want to go out on a date and you know catch maybe a, a Red Sox game. And then it leads up to the moment where the bomb goes off. And then we have this huge manhunt trying to find them uh, breaking out into a huge firefight. And then also at the end, like we said, the, the one brother who was found uh, hiding in a boat. Now, Andy, I know we have different thoughts, so I'm going to get you take your first shot uh, at tearing the movie apart, and then I'll go from there. <laughs> so I think that there are pieces of this movie that are done incredibly well. There are parts of it that are done incredibly not well. First, let's talk about Mark Wahlberg. The problem with him being this every man, every cop is just ridiculous. Like, I respect the fact that you have, uh, you've got John Goodman playing the superintendent of, of Boston police. You've got Kevin Bacon playing the FBI agent in charge. Mm-hmm. And you, you've got these, these real people playing real people. And spoiler alert, at the very end of the movie, they show all of the actual people and there are some interviews with them. And that's one of the most gripping parts of the movie, I thought, when we actually hear these people in their own voices uh, talking about this. They did they did the same thing with Sully, and and I think it's it's done to great effect. the The problem with Mark Wahlberg here is he's he's given this role to be this everyman, but his character is both woefully undeveloped and also they give him weird things to do it's like there's this there's this plot line about oh well he's wearing a leg brace and oh well he used to be on suspension and all this other crap and it's like what what purpose did any of this serve but that being said Wahlberg puts in a very interesting performance here and there are a couple of moments in some of the quieter moments of the film where it's just him talking about the emotional impact of things that are going on. And I'm like, boom, there's the heart of your movie. That's where this movie does really well. Unfortunately, what Peter Berg, who also brought us Battleship, may I remember, <laughs> may I remind everyone. He's had uh, some bad, he did Hancock too. I know he's had some bad stuff. Yeah, he's so, but he's decided just like with Battleship that the thing to do is there needs to be more explosions and there needs to be um, more blood. And I, I just felt like this was incredibly manipulative in all of the wrong ways. And what could have been a very good movie was ham-fistedly put together there are entire plot lines which are dropped for the the entire middle two-thirds of the movie just to bring them back at one moment for the highest emotional manipulative output and that's just wrong it's so frustrating because this was a real event and I feel like it deserved a little bit more respect to be told in a way that was that doesn't feel the need to tell you how you are supposed to feel about this. Just present it 
and and on top of all of that this movie completely takes the easy way out with everything what happened with the boston marathon bombing was an incredibly complicated story and this tells the least complicated version of those events and this is exactly the same problem that i had with deepwater horizon while overall a very good movie, it took a complicated historical event and tells you this very heroic, yay for the, the common man story, but that's not what this was all about. There are so many other aspects to this. The Tsarnaev brothers are like basically mustache-twirling villains who the only thing we know about them is they're Chechen Muslims and evil and pot smokers. There's so much nuance in what's going on. There was so much nuance in what was happening in the manhunt and so much drama that was happening in the manhunt. You had Reddit blowing up and naming people who weren't even suspects as suspects and people getting harassed and none of that is ever addressed. There was all of this other stuff going on and essentially what this story tells is the simple red state version of events about how police are good and Muslims are evil and America is strong and awesome and that is like if someone turned in an essay to me in a history class about the Boston bombing and this was the version that they gave me I'd be like C plus you got most of what actually happened but none of the nuance and none of what really made this important and so I feel the same way about the movie too much bombast not enough nuance it, it wasn't all bad and and there were good moments in this movie so uh, I, I feel like I'm being overly negative to a movie that I didn't actually hate that much. Um, but but as a counterpoint to to how you feel very positive about it, I don't. Adam, tell tell me more about why you liked it after so, I just told you how terrible it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I guess the the one I mean I almost kind of view this movie as a horror film if that makes a little bit of sense. You know, we get the you know sure. the first twenty minutes or so, you're getting the build up, you're getting to know these characters and. For, for a while there, it was a bit um, confusing because th the first 20 minutes is, here's this character, here's that character, boom, boom, boom. And some people we don't even see again for another 45 minutes. So the idea was, what the hell is going on? Why are you showing this to me? I don't need to know this yet. But then, since we know history, we know what these events are leading to. And just like in a horror film, when you're seeing like the, the killer stock, stock up behind someone or whatever else, we're seeing these characters, these the Sarnoff brothers putting the bombs in place, getting ready to go. And there's not a damn thing you can do to stop it. And when you're seeing it with something that was actually real life, something that actually took place, the sense of horror is more overwhelming than something more like, oh, haha, ha, Jason got away. You know, this person is, is fake blood, even though it's slate blood here. It was a representation of real events. Uh, and that was that, that was terrifying. And uh, like I said, I'll get to the, the point about whether or not this is too soon, uh, because it is, and I'll, we'll discuss that later. So for me, that was that had much more of an impact in getting to know these characters, and you know, we, we saw the news, we we saw what happened. We, you know, I was online following the story. I'm sure you were. You mentioned Reddit. Uh, 
So this was something that was all pretty much fresh in our minds. But at the same time, you can say, like, oh, this person, um, so-and-so died, this person died, and, you know, the, these people got hurt. And it's a different experience when you kind of get a backstory to know who these people are, and they're not just faceless names in a crowd. And that was one thing I think this did well, was it made you actually care about these people, made you actually interested in what was going on with them. And so, and yes, I do agree that the, you know, it was emotionally manipulative to, you know, to do that, and then all of a sudden show these horrible things happening, and the way they shot it and the way that you know, the, the music swells and everything else but that's kind of what I would expect from a movie like this because this is also what we got in Deepwater Horizon so again if you didn't like that film you're probably not going to like this one you mentioned you know, there's some really great emotional moments with Mark Wahlberg and I fully agree this is the scene when he's sitting there after the, the events of the first day and he's with his wife and he breaks down crying and asking him to forgive her for asking her to come down to bring him his leg brace I mean that was one of the best moments of the film, you know, aside from the Absolutely. The, uh, the interviews at the end. And it just, again, goes to show that with the right director, you can get a good performance out of Mark Wahlberg. Uh, not M. Night Shyamalan, but, you know, Peter Berg, someone he's worked with. Like you said, it, it was more of a bare-bones story of what kind of took place afterwards. But the kind of film this is and the kind of background that Peter Berg has, I don't expect going in for this to be, like... Well, we're going to mention a minute a Scorsese film that does go in more depth and take you through more nuances and layers. You know, you're going to get more of the the Cliff Notes version of the story. And I think for some people, th- this might have been a good thing because some people, again, may have seen it on TV, had a basic idea of what happened, but never gave it a second thought because, oh, you know what? It's in Boston. I'm in LA or I'm in Austin or I'm in Seattle or anywhere. And it, I don't know. It's You mentioned it's kind of the Red State version, but... The idea that maybe a movie could help bring back some sense of kinship among people, especially after this last year, and the way that you know this country is so divided—that's a valid—that's a a valid thing and a good thing to have at least an attempt towards that. And I felt that's something this movie kind of did was try to bring people back together around a horrific event. Whether it did the right way or not, it's hard to say. It was—it was at least entertaining, and that's kind of why I feel bad because, again, I don't. I'm not so sure that a story like this should be quote-unquote entertaining, and I'm not so sure it's the best venue to, to tell a story where people did lose their lives, where it changed the course of you know, hundreds and hundreds of people's lives. And the biggest question comes down to, you know, this just happened so recently, is it appropriate to tell the story now? And I said before, and I said in my original review, no, I think they should have waited. I, I don't think we've let enough time go by. I think we're kind of poking and prodding at a wound that is still a bit too fresh. But it's out there now, so what are you, you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, again, I did like it. I think you mentioned that it was more simplistic telling of the Saranoff brothers. When you've got people who are going out there trying to murder as many people as possible, I have no qualms about painting them as you know, as bad guys and not trying to emotionally understand them. Uh, yeah, there was a bit too much mustache twirling, but in the long run, if someone's trying to kill me, I don't care. Well, here's the problem. I mean, there's this great scene between the older Tsarnaev's brother's uh, wife and Condi Alexander, who comes in. She's some sort of CIA... Like interrogator. Uh, yeah, interrogator. And she gets more background and development in that one five-minute scene than her husband, who's the actual bomber and the mastermind behind this. And that just seems weird and wrong to me. Like... I, I'm not saying we need to emotionally understand these people. I'm saying 
that if you're going to present them, they can't just be, oh, they're Muslim, they're bad people, and so therefore we we can uh, we that's all we need to know to understand all of their motivations. That sucks. <laughs> that's a really terrible uh, way to do it. I'm. I, I'm I'm not saying we need to have sympathy for them at all because I mean they're terrorists, but I'm saying we shouldn't just leave it at oh they watched some ISIS videos online and they learned how to make these pressure cooker bombs. It's just uh, unfathomable to me that these are some of the least undeveloped movie villains uh, that we've had in a long time and. It's weird for me to think of them as movie villains, but if you're going to make a filmatic depiction of this, uh, I don't know. It would be like making a World War II picture and completely undeveloping Hitler. And and I just, I don't understand how you can get away with that when um, these are your bad guys. And there should be, there should be some meat there. So, um, yeah, I'm... I'm just disappointed by that, and I feel like that will contribute to um, more Islamophobia. Uh, one one good thing, though, that I'd like to point out is there there was a really cool scene where earlier, you know, they they've set up this FBI command center, and a bunch of a bunch of the investigators are talking, and they're like, "Well, what does your prototypical Muslim look like?" And everybody looks around, they're like, "Ooh." You know, the the whole idea that because these people were literal Caucasians, the, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Chechnya is in the Caucasus Mountains. (laughs) So, uh, you know, they they look they look more like white people. um, And and so it's like they flew under the radar that never gets picked up or developed any better. Like nobody thought, oh, these guys are terrorists because we we that's the whole point about terrorism and I feel like if you had gotten in to their motivations a little bit better, it might have been more interesting. Instead, what we got was a really cool scene with with them throwing bombs on a on a tiny Boston suburb street with a in a shootout with the cops, which was pretty cool and pretty gripping, but didn't go to their character. So all style no substance props for that because that was at least a you know a well done um action sequence with lots of lots of things blowing up <laughs> lots so, of things going yeah uh, when when all is said and done with this the i just walk away from this thinking like well that was a mediocre movie i'm at a four out of ten if this is something that that really interests you you're gonna go see it and you're probably gonna like it and you're probably gonna like it more than me I'm I'm just a little bit skeptical of this, and I I think Peter Berg needs to find a different a different thing to do other than remaking recent tragedies and filling them up with explosions. Hopefully, he can he can find something better to do because he because he has done some other good work, and pieces of this movie shows that he can do good work. So, um. I my my best to him and everyone else in the future. I don't know. I feel like I should apologize to everyone who was in this movie who was really trying very hard, <laughs> but I just I just didn't like it. Yeah, no, and I I do agree with you that and I don't think this is a story that needed to be told just yet. Uh, it would be like if they decided to do a movie about Pearl Harbor two years after it happened. You know, there's it's 
there's it's too complicated. There's too much that's gone on, and like you mentioned, there's this this isn't a story that that dives in deep. Uh, but sometimes that's that's all the story you need. And for me, it was well put together. I think it was a bit too long, especially the last, you know, it, the the middle the middle third, or no, not the middle third. I guess you'd say like the yeah, the middle third was was a bit could have been edited yeah. down quite a bit and kind of gotten us to where yep. we needed to go. Uh, and it would have been interesting had Mark Wahlberg been playing more of just an actual character like the other people were. I can see why they did it because you've got to have that one through line that's connecting the dots to go from point A to point B to point C. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that there were real heroes. They could have actually said, hey, this is him, this is her, this is what happened. Uh, and I think they, sh- they deserved more screen time and should have been the-, the center of the story over him. But, you know, in, in the end, it was a gripping story. Uh, it was emotional. It hit the right notes. Um, I'm at an 8 out of 10. It's nowhere near perfect. Uh, I did enjoy it. I do have a lot of problems with it, especially with actually... Like I said, just the actual subject matter itself. It's a movie I probably never want to see again, but I'm glad that I did. Well, the, that's that's completely fair, and and reasonable people can disagree on on things like whether a movie was good or not, and that's <laughs> and that's and that's completely fine. I hope we've presented both both sides of that. Now, if you are looking for kind of your best bet for what is out there right now, well. Martin Scorsese's got a new movie out. This is based on the novel by Shusako Endo, uh, which many people believe is one of the best novels of the 20th century. Uh, this is the story of a couple of Jesuit priests uh, who are here played by Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver, who are sent to uh, 1600s Japan uh, during the time of a major crackdown on Christians by the Edo government, uh, who, of course, their state religion is Buddhism. They they receive money uh, and, and taxes um, from people who, uh, who go to the Buddhist temples. And so, of course, uh, Christianity is a major problem for them. So they're trying to get rid of it, and uh, they're offering rewards for... Uh, people turning in any Christians and even greater rewards if they find any Christian priests or ministers. So they're sent to go try and find out what is going on in Japan and also to follow up on reports that their mentor, uh, who is played by Liam Neeson, has apostatized. That he left the faith in, uh, in face of all of this persecution and they're saying no, it could not happen. Uh, this man was, he was our mentor. He trained us. We don't believe that this could have happened. And so they find themselves in in Japan. They have to sneak into the country and uh, literally find themselves underground with, with Christians who they are uh, ministering to. And essentially, this becomes uh, the story of Garfield's character, uh, Rodriguez dealing with his own personal issues of faith where he sees the suffering of all of the people around him and there is very little he can do to save them. While he prays for their deliverance, he hears nothing back and hence the 
the name of the of the film uh and so he's dealing with this silent god who doesn't answer his prayers and uh trying to reconcile his faith of you know what what kind of god allows this to happen to his followers um and so it becomes this really beautiful although brutal examination of faith and the power of faith there is to anyone who is christian and uh, especially if you're catholic this is going to hit you in a lot of ways essentially this character rodriguez goes through all of the temptations and sufferings of christ uh uh, one after another and and there are very obvious parallels in this where they're obviously setting him up as a very literal Christ figure. And then they talk about the arrogance of that, uh, mm-hmm. where he's setting himself up. You know, why should I think that I can be an intercessory between these people and God? Why do I think that I am as good as as Jesus Christ? Um, how arrogant is that for me? I guess it's not a spoiler to say that at, at one point uh, he is captured by the Japanese Inquisitor. They they torture him and attempt to get him to recant his faith. Um, but of course, the, the torture that they put him through most, rather than making him suffer as much, they make him watch the suffering of his followers and say, hey, if you if you give up your faith, then we will let them go. So it's a very gripping film and um, disturbing at times to watch, although not very bloody, but very psychologically hard to deal with if, if you're putting yourself in this mindset. Uh, it is also very long. This is two hours and 41 minutes long. It is an epic. Um, unlike most other films of this length, I don't think there's really anything they could have lost in here. There is just so much story to tell. And every single minute of this is either beautiful or gripping or disturbing in some way. It's just really an amazing film. That being said, I do have a couple problems with it. Um, I felt like the character of the Inquisitor was didn't even border on bad ethnic stereotypes there just were bad ethnic stereotypes in here. Uh, the the buck teeth and the and the high lilting voice and uh, transposing his R's and L's when speaking in English, uh, even though they're not speaking in English, they'd be speaking in Portuguese. And they uh, they they mention that several times that they're actually speaking Portuguese rather than you know speaking English, even though they're speaking English on screen. I don't know how I felt about that, but maybe Marty Scorsese was like, well, I'm tired of like the uh, of seeing horrible Italian stereotypes on screen and people <laughs> getting away with it. So I'm gonna do uh, in the same way a horrible Japanese stereotype and. Let's see if people give me crap for it. So I, I don't know. Um, but overall, this was just an amazing film. And uh, it takes some very interesting turns and twists along the way. Incredibly gripping. Not perfect. 
um, I mean, Scorsese still got it. There's there's a reason why he's he's one of our best living directors. I, I guess the the only other problem I might have with this is Andrew Garfield does a very good job here, but I wonder what might have happened if someone else had taken this role. I feel like there was more here, and Garfield brings this like youthful naivete to it that's very good but I, I don't know it just it felt maybe a, the tiniest bit underdeveloped and uh, I, I guess I'm more used to uh, seeing if, if we'd seen an actor like like a Mark Ruffalo or a uh, or even a, a Leonardo DiCaprio in this role um, might have done a, a little better um, that being said those guys are 10 20 years too old at this point to be able to play yeah. this role so um so i mean it's it, it's it's fine i i do have a couple little problems with it but overall i'm in an eight and a half out of ten on this and um you know this is this is a great film and especially if you if any of this sounds interesting for you you should go out and see it. Cool. So overall, I mean, three really good movies this week. Well, two, two possibly three, depending on on your viewpoint <laughs> of it. On who. Yeah. Yeah. So but that, that's not too bad. I mean, I know it was you know it's slow week at the movies. So if you've already gone out and you've already seen the Monster Calls and you've seen Rogue One about ten times already, uh, definitely check out these three. Uh, next week, though, we've got uh, M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong's new movie Split, which. Uh, <laughs> Which Andy, you're gonna have to relate to. I'm gonna. I actually had tickets to Kinky Boots that night, so you're gonna have to let me know uh, if that was a good or a bad thing that I missed this one. <laughs> let you know. And I know we're both just so excited for Triple X: Return of Xander Cage, the third movie in the uh, the Triple X franchise that I, I think everyone was clamoring for. I definitely needed another Xander Cage movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then aside from that, uh, this week is the beginning of Sundance. So next time we talk to you, I will hopefully have seen a good five or six movies. And we can uh, discuss which ones were good, which ones are bad, and which ones could possibly be the new Greasy Strangler for this year. For which we're, again, so excited for. Um, but that'll be all be, that will all be next weekend. So until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Hold me score to keep